Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Welcome. We're glad to have you here today. Boy, y'all look good this morning. Some, some of you look a little older school than others. I don't know. I don't know. You, uh, let, for, for our visitors, let me explain. I would tell you that we're not really this weird, but the truth is, <laughs> uh, yeah, we just don't dress as weird as we're dressing today. This is old school. We've been, in the last three weeks, we've been talking about old school. We, we've declared to you, we've been going back and getting old messages because we know this that you cannot live looking backwards, but every once in a while you need to stop and reflect on what happened in your life previously so you can understand where you are. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Uh, pulled something. I oh. oh. Pulled a hamstring. I'm a... I don't need, Woody, you may have to come and preach. I'm like done for the day right there. Now, we've been talking about that you have to know where you come from. And so we're having fun this morning. I put on my Twitter account this morning that you're going to be some funny sights uh, at Passion Today, but some serious worship. And uh, we're delighted that you're here. We've been kind of reflecting back. I've taken you back uh, at various points in our history back to some of our earliest days, and that's what I want to do again this morning. I want to take you back into a message that I preached, uh, believe it or not, in the same month uh, that we're in right now, in 2007, I preached this message, but I think it's still appropriate for where we are, and it calls us to a deeper relationship with the Lord. And so I want you to join me, if you will, in Psalm chapter 100, and no, I did not have these clothes in my closet. Just want to clear that up. Some of y'all had them in your closet. I know how you are. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Psalm chapter 100. <laughs> Some of y'all just doing public right now what you do in pr- Never mind. All the time. Uh, Psalm chapter 100. Uh, this is what David says. He says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know you, know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Here's where we're going to focus our time this morning. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. We're going to spend our time there in verse 4. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. To progress. Uh, we're going to talk about the progression of praise. To progress. Progress literally means to move forward or to develop a higher, better, or more advanced stage. And so uh, what takes place in this account is that David alludes to a progression that takes place in praise. Um, 
it's important for us to understand and stop for just a moment and talk about the concept of, of a progression. You know, if you've ever participated in a progressive dinner, you recognize that every stop in the progressive dinner is important. No one stop is more important than the other, although you might like the dessert stop the best. It's really no more important than the rest of the stops because unless you take each stop, you miss part of your dinner. The same is true in music, in musical uh, uh productions and orchestrations there are progressions in the music and if you leave out one of the progressions the musical piece is not complete it won't sound right it doesn't it doesn't have a finish it doesn't have the crescendo it doesn't have any of the things it needs in it to complete it so progression is important and as we talk about this progression of praise that David calls us to I want you to understand that although there is a progression listed here it does not diminish or make one of the stops unimportant or unnecessary David is not trying to say that because I'm trying to get you to a particular place in your walk in this thing called praise that does not mean that the, the the first stop is not important every stop is important so David deals with this progression he simply says this we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving. And without going into great detail into the tabernacle setup of the day, it serves to reason and to logic that what David is saying is that the gates were the first place you entered when you came into the presence of God. It would be our modern day front door, if you will. It was the entry place. It was the entry point. It was the first step. It was essential to get in. But there are deeper places that David is calling us to. But in order for you to get to the deeper places, you have to get in first and so he says come into the presence of God through the gates of thanksgiving thanksgiving gets our foot in the door but it is praise that gets us higher and further into God's presence but 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 there's a progression here we're supposed to walk through so he says come into the gates with thanksgiving let's let's talk about thanksgiving first because um, uh, that that's the first step you can't get in deep with God into the, into the very presence of God unless you first begin by getting into the gate, into the entry point. Now, I, I've got a, a, a truth that I want to share to you. I know many of you will probably remember this from 2007 because it was so life-altering, so life-changing, this revelation that I'm getting ready to give to you. It's the deepest revelation I've ever shared with you since we began our church. So I want you to buckle your seatbelts. Get on the front edge of your seat, lean in, and get your piece of paper out and your pen because you're going to want to write this down. You're going to want to remember this. Hold your breath. Here it comes. Here it is. Thanksgiving always precedes Christmas. Can't touch this. It's deep, man. Deep. Deep, right? Okay, truth is. I know that every elementary school student in the room knows that truth. And nobody's going to write a book based upon that thought. And I'm certainly not going to get a call on my cell phone in the middle of this message saying, hey, we want you to come on TBN and explain the depth of this. Okay. I, I, I understand that that's elementary, but, but I want to remind you that there's probably a more powerful insight into that statement than you think. How many of you have been to Walmart this week? Anybody? How many of you went last week during Halloween or a couple weeks ago during Halloween? Did you happen to walk into the garden section? Uh, they've already got Christmas stuff up prior to Halloween. 
There are already Christmas commercials on right now. I'm watching some of your Facebooks, and some of you are already listening to Christmas music, and we haven't even celebrated Thanksgiving yet. Yeah, so, 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 so we need to stop. It's like we rush past Thanksgiving to get to Christmas. Now, here's where the truth come in, comes in. Thanksgiving precedes miracles. So let's go back and talk about our national calendar. Thanksgiving always precedes Christmas. So Thanksgiving always precedes the season that is about the birth of a miracle. Okay, hang on with me now. There's a spiritual principle here. I realize that Jesus was born long before anybody got on a ship and, and sailed the oceans blue to come to America and, and, and kill some turkeys and, and establish this holiday that we call Thanksgiving. But I want you to recognize that Thanksgiving precedes divine birth. There are numerous scriptural accounts in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, where this, this principle is, is validated for us. One of them, and perhaps one of the greatest ones of these, is the account of Lazarus. Jesus walks on the scene and he approaches the tomb of a dead man and he's prepared to perform a miracle. You remember the account of John chapter 11. Jesus shows up and John says it like this. Uh, Martha comes out and Jesus said, so take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh for he has been dead for four days. But a, a, a dead man is about to be reborn into life. And moments before Jesus stops, and utters that clarion call, Lazarus. I want you to see what happens. I want you to see that Thanksgiving always precedes the miracle. I want, I want you to see. See, there's a pattern here. He, he stops mid-miracle mid -miracle and has Thanksgiving. Listen for this a pattern because we need to apply it to our life. It's found in John chapter 11, verses 41 through 44. Listen carefully. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee. Okay, hang on. That, that I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his, hand, his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. He stopped before he brings him back to life and has thanksgiving. It's a pattern. For those of you that need further proof that it's a pattern, all you got to do is realize that Jesus follows the same exact pattern before feeding the multitudes. Go back and look at Matthew chapter 15, verses 36 through 38, and see if the pattern's there again. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes, and he gave thanks. And then he broke them and gave them to the disciples and the disciples to the multitudes, and they all ate, and they were filled, and they took up that which remained over the broken, of the broken pieces, seven basketfuls, and they that did eat were 4,000 men besides women and children. Jesus knew this truth. Jesus knew that thanksgiving provokes and spurs God to work on our behalf. The pattern is simple. The pattern is this. Jesus knew that a thankful heart stirs God's hand. So you may be looking for a new birth in your life. Maybe you're in dire need of a 
new birth of a new job. Maybe the stress and the strain of life might be demanding a rebirth for you emotionally and spiritually. Maybe sickness that you've been dealing with has called you to find yourself, caused you to find yourself on a bended knee crying out for a new body. Perhaps a quick peek into your checkbook reveals that you need a new birth in your finances and one better happen soon. But you've got to recognize the pattern. Thanks always comes before the birth. Thanks first. Get the order right and see what happens in your life. We need to stop and do this. We need to stop and thank our way into miracles. That is the pattern. See, Paul bears this truth out when in Philippians he teaches us how to, how to approach God with our need. It's found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, in nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... Let your request be made known unto God. In other words, he's saying it's appropriate and it's right for you to come to God and approach God with your need. But you must first stop as you're doing that and thank him for what he's already done. Approach him with thanksgiving. It's the first stop in the progression. We let, we let our needs be known, but we give thanks first. Because here's, here's my quandary this morning. Too many Christians have become borrowed an entitlement mentality. We think God owes us. We, we don't request anymore. We demand. And it got quiet now, didn't it? And, and an entitlement mentality and what has happened is that gratitude is now nothing more than a distant memory. We don't even stop to thank God anymore. We just go into his presence and say, give me, give me, give me. And now, in fact, you're late now. And what Jesus is showing us and what David is calling us to is the recognition that the first stop when you're approaching God is thanksgiving. That just gets you in the door. Gratitude grabs God. You, you remember in the New Testament, the widow and the mite, the one who gave the least gets the most attention from Jesus, not because of how much she gave, but because how she gave it. She gave it with an attitude of gratitude, and it was so just startling to Jesus that somebody with so little would give so much that, and with such a great attitude that, that he stops and he recognizes her? See, we get it backwards. We get it backwards. We want the miracle, and then after we see the results, we will give thanks. But the truth is, is that we should give thanks first. So my question is very simple to you this morning regarding the first stop in the progression. If we aren't seeing miracles, if we aren't seeing breakthroughs, if we're not seeing answers, could it be that we have failed to enter the gates with thanksgiving, and therefore because we're not thankful, God refuses to step in? Just a thought. Just a thought, maybe we become so negative and so ungrateful that we fail to give him thanks and our attitude becomes, what have you done for me lately? And so we develop this, we fail to develop an attitude of gratitude and therefore we fail to have any miracles in our life because it is our thankful heart that grabs the attention. In fact, I think we think that it's our need that, God, that grabs God's attention. I'm not so sure anymore. I, there are, how many of you recognize there are needs all around us? How many of you recognize? really get down to it, when you consider the condition of your life, you can find people that are in worse need than you all day long. All you got to do is just travel. Just travel a little bit and you'll recognize just how blessed you already are. So maybe it's not our need that grabs God's attention. Could it be that it is our attitude of thankfulness that grabs his attention? 
Okay, y'all don't have to believe me. I, 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 it's just thought. I mean, I'm, I'm standing up here in, in hammer pants. I mean, give me a break. You don't have, you don't have to listen to me. See, I, I'm convinced of this, that Thanksgiving requires us to change our focus. See, I'm convinced that we will remain unthankful and negative unless we change our focus. We, when we learn to be thankful in spite of what we don't have, that gets God's attention. We've got to change our focus. Was Lazarus alive? No, not yet. Did they have enough meat and bread to go around? No, not yet. But when their focus changed from what we don't have to who we have, then thanksgiving was possible. See, some of us need to change our focus. All we seem to be able to focus on is our empty checkbook, and maybe what we need to do is refocus on the God of provision. Some of us, all we can focus on is our sickness, and maybe what we need to do is refocus on the stripes that were bore on his back for our healing. Some of us, all we can do is focus on our sorrow. Maybe it's time for us to change our focus to the one who bore all of our sorrow and bore all of our pain, because if we could ever shift our focus to that, then a gratitude will enter our spirit and we will be able to say thank you God in spite of what I see, in spite of my pain, in spite of my sickness, in spite of my need, I can still say thank you because my focus is no longer on me it's on you. See to get in the gates we must change our focus from us to him. Some of us need to start at thanksgiving. We want to move all the way into the inner chambers of God and we won't stop at the gates. You got to get through the gates first and come back to that place where you're thankful for your kids and thankful for your wife and thankful for your husband and thankful for your job and thankful for your car and thankful for the air you breathe and some of y'all aren't doing that on Facebook. I'm not but that's all right. You need to be thanking God every day. There, there, there's a progression here. In spite of what I feel or don't feel I, I must become thankful because I recognize he's good. But we can't stay there. We can't stay there. That's just the first step in the progression. The, the, I've already told you, if you don't go through all the steps, then you miss a component of what you, you need. Yes, we should be thankful, and yes, that's the first step in the progression. But David challenges us to go deeper. He says, Thanksgiving's not enough. That just gets you in the gates. But I want you to go deeper than that. I want you to get into his courts, into his very presence. See, here, here's something you need to know. Uh, I, as we start talking about praise, I need to reflect back on Thanksgiving and say this to you. Thanksgiving is based on what somebody does. It's based on action. The reality is that it's easy to praise or, or be thankful when we see what God has done. He saved me. He rescued me. He set me free. He, he lifted me up. He set my feet on solid rock. He restored my soul. Then I have no problem being thankful this morning because I can reflect on all the things that he's done for me. And therefore, it's easy for me to be thankful. Am I right? Anybody got any reasons to be thankful in here this morning? It, it's pretty easy to be uh, thankful. My, my heart is full of thanks, thanksgiving because I remember what he's done and I'm thankful. That, that's, man, that's child's play. In that kindergarten lesson right there, I mean, we teach our children from very early on, when somebody gives you something or does something nice to you, you're supposed to say, thank you. And if you don't, well, that's a whole different story of what happens if you don't say thank you. But, but, but we teach them and we, we, uh, we pound it into them that if they don't say thank you, then there's problems. Being thankful is child's play. 
Thanksgiving's easy. You do something for me, and I'll say thanks. That, that's, it's necessary. It's noteworthy. It's right. It's in order. But it's easy. Praise, however, is not based on what someone does. It is based on who someone is. It is based solely on the inherent worth of something. That takes us from child's play to an adult mentality. See, I don't want you just to stay uh, immature all your little life as a Christian. I want you to start at Thanksgiving. But some of us need to grow up and move past what's easy and recognize that there's another level that David was calling us to that requires spiritual maturity and moves us into an adult mentality where we move out of Thanksgiving into praise based solely on the inherent worth of God. Sit down on me now. All right. See, as an adult, we begin to give praise because of the value of something. The truth is I'm probably never going to own a Ferrari. But I can still praise its workmanship and recognize the inherent worth of that vehicle because of the time and the energy and the, the skill and the workmanship that went into it. I don't, have to, I don't have to understand it all. I just know that it's valuable and I can praise the work that, okay? So, so if we can do that about a car, we ought to be able to do that about God. See, because praise is more difficult than thanksgiving. That's why Paul calls us to give a sacrifice of praise. He doesn't say give a sacrifice of thanksgiving because thanksgiving's kids play. That's easy. As soon as God heals you, thank you, Jesus. But what if he doesn't heal you? What if he doesn't? Oh, well, y'all didn't like that one. Y'all didn't, y'all mean, what, what, if, what if you're saying, God, I need a miracle in my finances, and you open up your mailbox, and there's like a $40,000 check. But what if you go to your mailbox, and there's another bill or a foreclosure? That's not easy. This is a progression. This is when we mature and go deeper into his presence, and we don't base our worship on what he's done for me, but rather we base our worship on who he is. This is when we can honestly and genuinely say, God, if you never do anything else for me, if you never heal me again, if you never give me another dime, if you never give me any more favor, if you never come through one more time in my time of need, if I can't seem to find you from this day forward, I can still praise you because of who you are. This is when we learn to worship him in the good times and in the bad times. This is when we learn to look past our circumstances and see that he is still and he will always be worthy. See, we know we are growing when we can come to the place where David came to in Psalm chapter 34 and verse 1 when he makes this statement. He says, his praise shall continually be on my lips. Think about the depth of that statement. That means I'm going to praise him when I'm not in church. See, it's easy It's easy to praise him when everybody else is praising him. It's easy to praise him when you're here together. But David said he had come to this place in his life where even when he's facing giants, he can say, there will be praise on my lips. Even when he's facing rebellion, there's praise on my lips. Even when he's facing betrayal, there's praise will be on my lips. We come to this place, the depth of this statement, when there's a good day, we praise. When it's a hell-filled day, we praise. When when there's life, we praise. When there's death, we praise. When there's success, we praise. When there's failure, we praise. When there's health, we praise. When there's sickness, we praise. When there's a raise, we praise. When we get fired, we praise. We praise all the time because of His worthiness. 
We can't, we can't say that if we're stuck in Thanksgiving. You cannot say, you cannot come to that place if you are stuck at the gates because the gates is just the entry point and your thanksgiving is based on whether or not he's done anything for you lately. David and I am calling you to a deeper level of experience with God where you move out of the gates and you come into his courts and you take a full view of God and you recognize that whether he ever does anything else that does not diminish and it will never change and it will never lessen his worthiness because he's good and he's God see thanksgiving tends to be tied to our circumstances and conditions but praise can stay on our lips constantly because it's based entirely and solely on his worth Paul and Silas are in bondage that's a real jail I know we we like to stylize it in our own mind as if it's like some cartoon jail no it's not it's a real dungeon with real bars and with real chains and real soldiers real pain but they continue to fill the air with praise. How? How does Job come to this place in his own life where he is able to say what we just sung? If he gives, we praise him. If he takes away, we praise him. How do you come to that place? You move out of the gates and you move into the courts and you recognize who he is. See, I wish I could stand up here this morning and tell you all of the reasons he's so worthy of praise. There's only one problem. I'm not capable. I'm not articulate enough to tell you why he's so worthy. But I want you to watch this and see if it won't help you to recognize why he's so worthy. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the lostest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. 
He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. That's my king. See, I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know how sick you are. I don't know how broke you are. I don't know how depressed you are. I don't know how devastated you are. But here's the truth you need to understand. That does not diminish his worthiness. That is tied to thanksgiving. If you could ever come to the place and mature to the place where you could stand before him broken and hurt and devastated and say, God, I still give you praise because you're worthy and you're faithful and you're good and your mercy endures forever. If we don't grow up to that point, we stay shallow church I want to say to you this morning passion if you don't move past the place of thanksgiving and walk into a place and an experience where you can praise him we will stay very shallow as a church and as a group of people I'm not asking you to come in here perfect every Sunday I'm not asking you to come in here a whole every Sunday I'm asking you to come in here and praise God for who he is because that doesn't change who he is we've got to become deep and so I want to challenge you this morning. Get in the door with thanksgiving. But you've got to move beyond that and move to a place of praise. You've got to thank Him before He multiplies anything. You've got to thank Him before He sends the answer. You've got to develop a heart of gratitude. But you've got to move deeper into the progression so that you can come to the place where you can say like David, praise will continually be on my mouth. You need to join David back in Psalm chapter 100 and find in verse 3 that he says, I praise God because He is God. I praise God. In verse 5, he praises God because God is good. He praises him because his love endures forever. He praises him because he's faithful to all generations. And so I just wanted to remind you this morning that it's not enough just to come into this church and get together and thank God every once in a while and, and determine how hard we worship and how passionately we pursue him based on what he's done for you this week. That has, should have no 
bearing because some of you walk in here and God hasn't done any. Well, I can't say that. You're breathing. You don't think God's done anything for you this week. You don't think God's come through for you this week. Your God didn't, God didn't come through for your kids this week, you didn't think. God didn't change your marriage this week. God didn't give you a raise this week. And you come in here and we try to sing and we try to worship and you're in your saying, you know, yeah, yeah, I'll see you next week. Maybe God will do something for me next week and then I'll, I'll be in here dancing and shouting. You'll know when he does something for me because I'll be up here on the front row break dancing in praise and worship and, and you'll know because I'll be all, I'm too blessed to be distressed and, and you're glowing and you're, and you're, that's shallow. That's immature. Maturity comes to the place that week after week, month after month, whether I can preach my way out of a wet paper bag that Sunday, whether or not the worship team seems to have it all together on that particular Sunday, none of that should have any bearing on the depth and the level and the excitement and the passion by which you praise Him because it's not based on us. It's based on who He is. You've got to walk through the progression. I want you to stand with me this morning. See, I need you to understand that it is when you move from thanksgiving to praise that you go beyond moving his hand. We all want him to move his hand, but I'm telling you this morning that if we would ever learn to go into praise, we would not only move his hand, we would move his heart. We would come to this place where we find that God responds to us based out of his goodness. See, if you will praise God for who he is, he will respond. It, it, he sees maturity in you and he recognizes I don't have to come through for them to praise me, but I want to because they do praise me. And so I just want to be honest with you this morning. Can I just be straight up with you? Julie and I have been talking. We've noticed a little apathy lately in your praise and worship. Julie comes home and says, man, that was like pulling eye teeth. That was hard. People just staring at me. Then you've forgotten who he is. Well, they didn't sing my song this morning. Big whoop-de-doo. Well, the preacher, he just didn't seem to have it this morning. Were you worshiping me or you worshiping Okay. I didn't feel like it. Come on now. I I'm trying to help you move out of immature Christianity. See, because if you immature Christianity, we can hype you to pray. We can hype you to, to But there's a maturity level I'm trying to get you to do, get you to that now you can show up on a Sunday and, and nothing's right. On your end or our end. And you walk in and you go, God, when I think about his goodness, when I think about his greatness, and when I think about his faithfulness, and when I think about the fact that he's full of mercy, and when I think about the fact that he brings peace that passes all understanding, and when I think about the fact that he gives me joy, and I think about the fact that he loves me, and I think about the fact that he's, he's holy, and I think about the fact that he's pure, and I think about the fact that he's faithful to me. God, I can't help it. They could miss every note, and I would still have to praise you. And so I call you to a deeper level this morning. Father, call us to a deeper level this morning. I pray over my folks today that on this old school Sunday, what you would do. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.